Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name is Stuart Wright, and today's guest is Lucky McKee. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. What people won't know, and it also makes you laugh when we do this uh, hello and welcome, is we've just had a ramble of about five, ten minutes. Just all, it's almost like you go, oh, we've got all the best bits there. Yeah. <laughs> Warm, so I'll, <laughs> I'll repeat, I'll purposefully repeat one of the, one of the bits that we talked about because we're going to cover the, um, well, do you want to say so it's, it, the woman has been reissued and what, what's what's been done to it and why has it been reissued? So tell us what's happened. Well, I, I work in a shop here in El Paso, Texas, and, and uh, the the rights to uh, the woman had, had expired with some of the distributors we were working with. So we were shopping around for new companies to possibly reissue it. And uh, Arrow uh, came into the mix and I was super excited about that because I'm a huge fan of what they do and, and, and all the people that have worked there that I've, I've met over the years are just such sweet, good people with good taste. Um, so this was, you know, for a horror movie, this is like the equivalent of having like your Criterion edition, you know, so uh, uh, um, uh, so we, we, we set it up to where we could, you know, in the shop I work in, we have a, we have a color correction suite here. And my editor works here. My sound designer works here. I do my writing here. Um, we do all of our posts on our films here. So we were able to put all of the, this new material together for the film here. Uh, we remastered the film in 4k. It's never looked better. It looks better than when it was released. Actually, mm, it's the, wow. the black areas of the screen are much snappier and it's just, it just looks very, very sharp. Um, and uh, was able to work with my editor, and I dug out all of this old video footage that my father had shot uh, every day of production on the woman. He was wandering around with a handy cam. No so way. We, cre- we created this 75-minute uh, quilt <laughs> of, of, of little moments from every day on set during the shooting of the movie. So, And there's no commentary. There's no... Uh, 
know, titles, anything like that. It's like, you're just, you're just getting these little snippets of every day on set. It's kind of like, you know, it's like, it's like a set visit for, 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 uh, for fans of the movie. Um, and it really just kind of shows how intimate the process is and just kind of what goes into making one of these things and just how fun it is, even if you're dealing with super dark subject matter, which we were, um, and for and for for us that worked on the movie, it's a beautiful time capsule that just puts us right back in the feelings that we were having when we were making it. Had your dad um, done that before, or was that the first time he'd done it? My dad has done that on every movie that I've, most of the movies that I've done, especially my early movies. Uh, I have footage from the entire making of uh, May. I have oh, footage wow. from the entire making of The Woods, um, and a, a couple a couple of other ones. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that this kind of opens up a little little gateway to be be able to do that because uh, the stuff is is really beautiful and it really it really informs your view of the movie. I think kind of just see the people that are behind it. Uh, maybe it's a little less hard to vilify us for being for making such a harsh 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 piece of material. We put a lot of thought and care into what we did. It wasn't just frivolous. I I was saying to you before we started recording that that I remember watching this at Fright Fest in 2011 mm. and alongside Kill List I was I was just sort of stunned out of my reverie for 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 just the event by going right those two films the woman and kill list have really raised the bar for me as to what I think of in terms of horror so it's it's stuck with me all yeah. the time since then Oh that's very very nice of you to say <laughs> the, the the experience of showing the film at Fright Fest was Maybe probably very, very likely the, the best experience I had showing the film. Uh, it was beautifully presented on that screen. Uh, I can't remember the name of the theater. It was one that was in Leicester Square that has the big, giant The Empire, um, Empire Cinema, Leicester Square. The Empire Cinema, that's right. And, and, and we had a packed crowd, and they were just into it. And it was just beautiful. It's what you dream of when you're, when you're putting these things together to have an experience like that. And, you know, Paul and Alan and all the people that run the festival are just such wonderful people. And they took such good care of me. And, um, oh, gosh, that was just, that was a beautiful, beautiful experience. And Polly was there and she got to, you know, her parents are from the UK. So they were able to come and see this <laughs> this film that their daughter, their daughter was starring in. So it was, it was special for, and Polly won uh, uh, the Best Actress Award and everything. It was, it was really special. It was really, really special. Before I forget, though, one of, one of the extras on the new Blu-ray is is a, a panel that I did um, with uh, Ty West and Adam Adam Green and, and uh, Larry Fessenden, where we're all kind of talking about the current state of horror back then in 2011. Um, so there's a there's a little you know there's a little time capsule from that Fright Fest experience there too. So that's out now, and people can get that from, from Arrow wherever they buy their Arrow products from. I did a shout out on the Fright Fest um, Facebook uh, thread, on face, um, just just said what would you ask Lucky, and uh, someone called Mike Hewitt asked. Mm. He said, uh, okay. "Ask him who's your favourite Blu-ray la- Blue- Blu- label." <laughs> I think Mike, I think Mike knows the answer to that very well because I'm singing Arrow's praises constantly. I mean, I've I have never had an experience uh, putting together a film for for. Uh, for, for physical release like this with any company it has been literally just every you know it's been the full boat experience uh the the marketing materials they put it together show clearly that they understood the film on many different levels from its sense of humor to you know what it's about uh and and uh what's you know what we think is cool about it uh 
and you know as far as like i said as far as the blu-ray i mean like we just literally just threw everything but the kitchen sink um maybe a little bit of the kitchen sink in there too i mean it's just you look at the extra features on the back of the disc and it's just loaded you know like like half of the back of the uh, blu-ray is just the description of all of the contents so um yeah i mean it's it's arrow hands down would be the short answer to that question and then for people that don't know who Mike is, Mike is what the yeah he 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 he's 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 one of the fellows at, at Arrow that really helped put all this together. Him and him and him and a fellow named James Flower there, who's a producer there as well. They've just they've just been wonderful. Um, and they also invited my wife Vanessa, who who is a painter, um, to create the cover art uh, for the woman and for uh, Offspring, um, the 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 previous movie to the woman, uh, and she just she killed it i mean she she just did, did such a wonderful job very 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 proud of my lady i bet you are i bet yeah um yeah. now before i get into into the sort of breaking down of the film i did one of the questions i got which was was kind of more broader than just about the film and it was about you yeah. and the kind of films you make um a fellow fright fester called ellen bab smith asked well she said i want to i want to ask a general question um she said it's not really a question but i'm a fan and would really like to hear Lucky talk about why he favours female leads. He always has a really a really female-driven story, and his female characters are so interesting and multidimensional. And he always has characters that are misfits. I've always wondered why he has a fascination with the female misfits that takes such a violent transformation. I get questions in that area a lot, um, and I've thought about it a lot. And I, I, I've, I've I've never had like a, you know, my, my answer, I guess, is kind of ever shifting. But, you know, where I grew up in rural, very, very rural country environment, Northern California, um, a lot of my childhood was just me, my mom and my sister. And, and all of all of my cousins and relatives that we would see on occasion were all were all girls, you know, and, mm. and, and uh, you know, my, my aunts and my cousins. And, you know, it was kind of like the only boy in, in in the scenario a lot growing up and always the youngest. Um, so a lot of my experiences were around strong women, uh, growing up, um, and, and just all different kinds of women. Uh, so I think that had an impact. And then by the time I got to film school, uh, I, I started making short films and, and, uh, I started making short films with some actresses that I knew or just friends that would just like, Hey, can you come and be, be in my movie? Some of my best mm. friends uh, at that time were some wonderful women. Um, and I just felt, I don't know, like as, as I was making them, I just, I kind of got hooked on telling stories about women. It just kind of like naturally happened. It's not, uh, it's not something that I, that I did like super consciously. Um, Cause I mean, any, any character in any of my movies, there's a little, you know, however scary this may sound, there's a little piece of me in that character, you know? So it was about finding, I just felt like I could com communicate with women in a, in a different way yeah. um, than men, because I had grown up communicating with women and, 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 and been able to be really open about my feelings and what I was experiencing growing up and kind of evolving as a person. Um, that I think that that maybe kind of made its transition to the, the types of relationships they started developing with uh actresses um and that just you know just, that just kind of led to this day <laughs> you know so, and as far as the mis the misfit aspect I and mean, that's just me i've always i think i think any any uh most most horror fans or, or lovers of the type of stuff we're into is has always felt like a little bit of an outsider and maybe you know 
Uh, not a lot of people are into, especially if you come from a rural environment, there's not a lot of people that are into the kind of things you're into. So you always kind of feel like you're kind of, uh, you're, you're the kid, uh, sitting on the sitting on the uh the bleachers at the high school dance watching everybody else <laughs> do the normal things of of, of childhood and, and, and your teenage years so i think that's just my own personal you know that's just that's just me my my mother used to nick, nickname me blue peter which is a kids tv show because i could disappear into my bedroom and keep myself entertained Oh, me with too, man. Yeah, yeah. And again, yeah, and, and, I, and I lived and in such an isolated. Yeah, I lived in such an isolated environment that a lot of my time was spent. You know, I think that's where my creativity was born. Uh, was like you said, just reading a ton of books, reading a ton of comic books, and and just kind of disappearing into my own mind. You know, uh, and entertaining myself. You know. Now, what makes what makes the woman um, interesting compared to say other other films you've made is that the collaboration with horror author. Jack Ketchum, who sadly passed away January yeah. 2018. Um, yeah. Now, he'd already adapted uh, Red, which was a, a novel mm-hmm. a novel of his in 2008. But on this project, you co-wrote the novel and co-wrote the script with him. I do. I have my copy of, I'm just, I was trying to think if I could, if I'd get it to hand. Um, I have a copy of the novel myself. Um, yeah. Which is... Um, do you want to describe that process? I mean, was it was the novel first and then adapted, or was the novel kind of written? It was actually it was actually the opposite. Uh, we, you know, uh, the movie Offspring had been made, mm-hmm. and uh, I had met that producer trying to trying to convince him on another Jack Ketchum novella that I was really, I've, I'm still really really wanting to adapt uh, yeah. a project of novella of his called The Passenger, and uh, didn't seem like that was the right fit for the company. But the the producer was like, I just made this movie Offspring, and I really think it needs a sequel because this, this lady Pollyanna McIntosh did something really special with her character. Um, so I brushed up on all the material. He brought me up to New York to look at the film. I sat there with Jack Ketchum, who I had known for a while because of, you know, producing uh, the adaptation of his film, The Lost that my buddy Chris Sievertson mm. uh, ad- adapted and directed. Um, and then the whole situation that I went through on red, um, which kind of blew up in my face um, was a really bad experience making that movie. Um, but I, I was able to watch Offspring, and I, I had kind of an idea of where I thought the story was going based on uh, the book it was based on. I read the book before I went and saw the film. Mm. Um, I had an idea of the direction I'd like to take the story, so I watched the film, and I was really amazed, really amazed with what Pollyanna had done. So I sat down to dinner with Ketchum and the producer, Andrew Vandenhout, and uh, pitched them this this little kernel of an idea I had um, about kind of flipping everything up on uh, flipping everything upside down and instead of the woman being the villain or the monster in the story that in fact she was she was the person that we were made to sympathize with and, and that the monsters were were the good old american this good old american family mm. um so i talked to them that ketchum was definitely into the idea and i said well you know when kubrick and arthur c clark did 2001 they kind of came up with the story together but then arthur c clark went off and wrote the book and kind of did his own you know use that as a jumping off point for his own book. And then Kubrick went off and, and made his film. I was like, why don't we do, could we do something like that? And he said, why don't we just do both together? <laughs> and so this, 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 this relationship, he just thought that would be easier. And he was right. Um, and I, I was very intimidated because obviously, you know, he was my father's age and you know, had already, he was just so experienced and had written so many great books. I felt very intimidated stepping into the writing ring with a fella that yeah, I admired yeah, that yeah, much. I but man, once we started working, it was just like, 
we were just like right on the same level, no egos and just like one of the smoothest collaborators I've ever worked with. Um, so we came up with the idea for the story. We worked, he, he lived in New York. I lived in the country in Oklahoma at the time. So we would work via instant messenger. Um, at the time it was AOL instant messenger. And we would just write back and forth our ideas. Our conversation would be, we did, we'd be able to keep a transcript of everything that we talked about in relation to the story. So when I would go off to write screenplay pages, I would have that as a guide. I would have his voice okay, and my okay. voice and the discussions we had. And we would just kind of go through it, you know, chunk by chunk that way. And I did the heavy lifting on the screenplay. And once that was done and the movie was kind of on its way to being made, um, he did the heavy lifting on the prose version and, and, and we consulted with each other and, uh, oh, it's just such a beautiful process, and it led to we, we we ended up writing a couple more books together and some short stories and everything. How and how I how, miss I, I miss I miss that guy. That was that was like that was like you know just losing such an important part of my life, losing that guy and that the 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 beauty of the collaborations that we we were able to pull off while he was around. I just I really really miss it. It's been it's been tough. Uh, been tough kind of moving on without him it really stopped me in my tracks jumping into the film then the woman i'm just going to walk us walk through some some thoughts mm -hmm. now because it was it was great for me to be able to sort of watch it with a view that i'm going to talk to you about it as opposed to just watch it which it's kind <laughs> of it's 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 like you suddenly it's like i had my my best my my school what do you call it uh school swat uh head on while i watched it which was I mean, I've seen it many times, but I've not watched it for a couple of years. So it was like, it was, uh, it was, it felt fresh enough. But then I was sort of making my copious notes, and <laughs> and and the first thing that is, and go back to what you were saying there about how what you did when you instigated the original idea is that you you put the woman front and center in the opening scene, as if yeah. to say this film is about her. Obviously, the title tells us that too. But but in yeah. in reality, much of the action, she's not in it. But but yeah. but in film language, we we you're telling us right at the get go, aren't you? You're yeah. Well, she's a, she's a presence and she's a force and she's a she's a, a fairy tale creature that 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 literally you know is plucked from the woods and and, and thrust into these people's lives, uh, and and is is almost like a, a, a this this force that frees this family from you know the 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 daily abuse and oppression that they're kind of under the thumb you know mm. that that they're living under under the thumb of uh of of this father figure um chris who's a terrible terrible individual mm. sociopath and and uh you know power mad sort of guy who's kind of got his own little world that he controls uh, well, we'll get to, we'll family. get to chris we'll get to chris so yeah um but uh but yeah she's like i said she's like a force for her or something i don't know, I don't know how else to and in a way it. she's she's in a way given the way chris is with his family which is obviously dominated yeah. by the three the three females in that family mm -hmm. is at that moment in the film she's free isn't she she's she's doing what she does and and i'm guessing yeah. i mean i never thought to i never thought about it too specifically before but knowing i was going to speak to you so the baby and the wolf is this like a vague memory of how she ended up where she is? Is that the is that her origin she's imagining, or that's that's just sub the, her subconscious at play? You okay, know? Uh, I think I think that you know, I think it can be interpreted a lot of different ways. Mm. Uh, by the way, shooting that scene with the baby and the wolf is one of the most surreal things I've ever done. Oh, <laughs> about, no, that's my next question. How do you shoot a scene with a baby and a wolf? 
Well, the 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 it was the, it wasn't a full wolf. It was a, a they, they had you know uh, it's a hybrid dog. It was bred with with uh, yeah. um, a domesticated. Um, it's still not your baby dog. though, is it? That you're putting in front of an animal? No, 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 no. <laughs> I was I was very far off from having a child. I have one now. He's almost three. Um, but the the animal trainers that we had on the film because we had all this stuff with the German shepherds at the end of the barn and everything. The animal trainers had this wolf hybrid dog mm. super sweet sweet dog um but they also had the, they were a couple that ran this this animal training outfit and they had a baby so that's the the animal trainer's baby so the baby grew up with this dog get so out of town they were you know uh the the dog had been around this baby since the moment it was born so they were friends you know mm. uh but still the 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 it was it was it was surreal and and, and a little bit nerve-wracking to you know to shoot that but it was uh it was beautiful it was just we we just caught some really really beautiful images some really powerful images like i said that can be interpreted in a lot of different ways yeah, no for sure know? no it's be- it is it's 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 um i think from from when i last watched it it was almost like that was the that was the bit i'd forgotten about in terms of how we we get a sense of who or what she is and and it's hardly on the nose because you don't know what it means but it's kind of yeah it is it is the portrait of wild isn't it a, yeah a and newborn I think, I think, baby and a, yeah, and a wild dog it, 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 in, in in my mind when i was filming it it's also like i said it's her subconscious at play it's you know clearly she's been injured in the lower part of her body mm. and i think that you know the woman uh you know especially if you read the book you might glean a little bit more out of that mm. but but she uh you know, she's lost the ability to have her own child, you know, um, and to continue her. And she's the last of her kind, you know. Mm, uh, right. So yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that some of that is tied up in there. And, you know, um, so the, the movie ultimately ends up being about her finding a new family, you know, which she walks off with. It. Jump into to Chris Cleek, then the, the father figure, the psychopath, the the big wig in town. Um, yeah. That that first that first shot of him you know sharing a beer with his wife looking at his family a beautiful day you know by the public pool but there's a but, but already there's that brooding sense of menace in both yeah. his face and um how everybody responds to him what were your conversations with sean bridges about that presence or indeed was this was 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 this something that sean bridges brought that you're like there's chris Cleek. Sean brought a lot to it. Uh, you know, Sean uh, came from, he, he was, he had, had been friends with Angela Bettis for a very long time and she had been begging me to work with this guy. She's like, you, you, you have no idea how good this guy is. Mm. Um, and, and by the time we made the woman, it just ended up having a conversation about, about with him. And I hadn't had a tremendous amount of experience working with men, you know, as <laughs> actors. Uh, and I'd had some difficulties. I'd come up, you know, honestly, I've dealt with more divas that were male actors than female actors um, <laughs> and, and very, very ego driven. And, and just like, man, you know, like for me, it's like, it's all about getting in the mood and getting down in the dirt together and pretending, you know, um, not every guy is willing to, to, to go there in that way um, that I like to go. Um, but Sean was, and we had a lot of conversations about the type of guy. I think, you know, uh, Sean grew up in, in kind of more country sort of environments like I did. So we'd seen kind of this sort of fella. And, uh, one thing he was telling me he was kind of channeling was, was his, his observations of Dick Cheney's <laughs> at the time. Oh, and, and really? the, the way, 
the way uh, the way a, a, a person can be wired in a way to where they're looking at it's a, it's 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 there's a sociopath sociopathic quality to it where you're you, there's a distance between your connection with you know your connection with other people and, and where you almost look at them like they're bugs, you know. Well, um, that's do, I say, to, any... do I do I need to squash this bug, or do I need to make this bug do something for me? But ultimately, it always comes about what that you know, what he thinks is best for him, you know. Um, but I think it's uh, a theme throughout the film for all the characters is you manage to convey tons of information for the audience to to process, and all we're seeing is how their eyes and facial expressions are responding it's, to the moment. It's, yeah, it's not the words that people are speaking at all. There's a lot of subjectivity. I'm very, I'm, I'm very, very uh, enamored with uh, point of view. You mm. know, uh, getting getting inside somebody's eyes, looking through their eyes, and then also looking at their face and the, and the way they're they're, you know, the way they're reacting to what they're seeing. Or uh, uh, so there's a lot of that, you know. And that that opening shot of him uh, is from his daughter's point of view, you know. And I think that's why it has that ominous quality. Mm. That, that I, I really love that shot because the, we just worked out that location and everything and, and, and the mountain in the background, there was just all this beautiful geometry going on there and the lens that we chose. It almost, it almost felt like a shot out of like sunset Boulevard or something like that. <laughs> I, I love, I love that shot. I, I I'm glad that the ominous quality of it translated to you because you, you know, you can make these things and have those feelings and you're, you're, uh, you're projecting as, as, as the person making it, you know, you're projecting a lot of your own feelings into stuff, but that doesn't always necessarily land. Well, given, 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 <laughs> so... it, yeah, but given it's juxtaposed against that sort of very sort of fantasy image of the woman. And then we get into this kind of very real small town America, close knit community yeah. thing and him being what obviously is the upstanding citizen. He thinks he is. Yeah. It, yeah, my first yeah, he's thought. Standing there like a king. Yeah, know? my first thought was, was about about the film was, this is like this feels like Todd Solan's happiness. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Solan's stuff is intense, man. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you know, I don't think I was. I don't think I was let down by where you went, but you know, it's like it yeah. is that it is that idea of what's on the surface and what's what's really happening. Sure. We never sure. know. I mean, I've just read Malcolm yeah. Gladwell's book about how to talk to strangers. I don't know if you've come across it. No, um, no, I don't. He I don't his know. basic thesis is that we all think we know what strangers are thinking, but we don't think they can read us. That's kind of a general yeah. trait of human beings. Yeah. Is that, Boy, that's that's an astute observation, isn't it? It's really scary. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. continuing on the on the theme of of the eyes um, is. And there's 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 two particular moments with Pollyanna as 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 um, when she's locked up in the basement that that really sort of really get you. Um, there's there's the the um, when she's facing up to Chris uh, in the thing the finger biting sequence. Yeah. And then later on, there is I mean literally it's like a conversation between the woman and Belle while mm -hmm. Chris is washing her. Like if yeah. if eyes could say. What are you doing? Pre, please get me out of this. Yeah. Then you've managed to do it between, and and almost like is that when 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 and 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 I I must admit I'd never noticed this before. At the moment where Chris is about to sort of give his retribution for her finger biting, yeah. Is there like a tear from Pollyanna that just just one tear yeah. rolls down yeah, her yeah, cheek? Yeah, yeah. It just it just happens, man. It was just one really of those that is just like magic. 
yeah <laughs> it was yeah that's not that's not uh cgi that is <laughs> that's poly yeah it's just we yeah yeah it was a beautiful you, you know you're always hoping that these magic little little accidents happen and that was one of them but you know part of the way those those scenes work in the cellar uh is has everything to do with point of view the, mm. the scene the scene the scene with uh with between bell and the woman like you're talking about where it's like nothing's being said you know maybe there's just some kind of atmospheric dialogue that chris is blabbering but it's mostly about what's going on between these two women that whole that, that whole that whole sequence that whole sequence is shot from uh the woman's point of view and bell's point of view those are the only two pieces of coverage i think i swapped lenses on each of them where one's a little closer than the other one's more of a true pov that's on a wider lens than there was some longer lens stuff so i could get up in their faces but both of those angles are from their direct points of view you know so you're you're in their shoes literally and so and the whole movie the movie is littered with that <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of subject subjectivity what's amazing is it's like it is the united front of women and it is the savage woman who understands that this shouldn't be happening and yeah. doesn't understand why the person that's free isn't helping it's like it right and the the way the way the woman uh, 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 handles abuse is is totally totally different to how your average normal everyday quote unquote civilized person you know mm. would would handle it the 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 rape doesn't have the emotional in, you know when she gets raped it doesn't have the emotional impact it would have on an everyday person you know it's just it's 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 nothing to her and that was the most uncomfortable person in that rape scene is actually the rapist. Um, which Polly and I, we had a lot of conversations about that. It was, you know, that this wasn't going to break her, you know, it was just another, it was just another little bit of pain and a long line of pain of just being a, a, a living animal, you know? Have, uh, have, you, have you seen Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale it came out last year? I have not seen it yet. I, 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 um, I, I, I obviously I loved her previous film. I haven't watched it yet. I, I, Cause she I think, uses uh, a, she uses a similar tool in, in for film yeah. where, the the rapist as it were is the one that gets to feel pathetic and and reduced yeah. to nothing even though they're yeah. abusing somebody it's not a triumphant yeah. thing whatsoever yeah and this this is a you know this the woman is a force that 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 cannot she will never be under chris's thumb you know psychologically and that's that's the most important thing to him you know is is modifying the behavior of those around him he can't, you know, for a moment you think maybe he's broken her down in the scene where he feeds her, but, but ultimately you learn that, you know, she's, you know, she's a, you know, she's his. She she ultimately ends up being kind of the the reckoning force. Mm. One of one of your one one of my favorite my, my favorite um and it's it, this thing about point of view is and and I thought it was just it was amazing how you sustained it is when is when Chris introduces the family to their yes. project when he gives his yeah. full his full hour project speech you never yeah. show us the woman <laughs> you know what's you, you know what's funny about that is we were shooting that scene at the end of the day and we ran out of time we were not able to turn around and shoot the coverage of the woman uh and because we were shooting digital i was able to go home at the end of every day um and once the editor had had backed everything up i was able to look at the footage we looked at that footage and i said we don't need to see the woman in the scene. This is all from her perspective. This is amazing. It's like, it's so much better that we don't have that coverage. So we just, 
you know, we just took it off the call sheet the next day. Yeah, she's like, she's was, like, it's like that the was woman. one of those things that was a beautiful discovery that came about as as a result of, of you know, just not making our day. You know, yeah, um, and it's she, one of my it, favorite scenes in the film. Yeah, I know. I, I don't blame you. It's like it's it's yeah. like she's made a perverse. She's looking at the American family, going, yeah. "What the fucking hell is this?" Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, that's that's funny you brought that up. I love I love the fact it's a happy accident is what got that. Oh yeah, they're movie. they're all over they're all over the movie. <laughs> so even though you've the haunted looks are ever present um in the opening scenes of the film, it's still shocking and it's not even the most violent it's it's barely the most violent thing in the movie, but where where Chris slaps Bell in the face Yeah. It's that still, really, it's made, still that really makes an audience it really made the audience jump. Um, because it's so matter of fact, you know, hmm. uh, which I think makes it more terrifying. Um, that, that shot was, uh, was, was definitely, uh, and, and the way it was staged too is amazing. That all just takes place in one shot. We're using mirror and everything. That was a brilliantly hmm. designed shot by my, my photographer. Um, I probably, you know, the way I was kind of planning to do it was, was a lot more complicated would require a lot more coverage and he just figured out the perfect place to put the camp the camera to catch that moment mm. um and we we were really enamored with the idea of doing um you know several scenes throughout the films that were what we call oneers where it's just a shot from one the whole scene plays out just from one angle jarmouche is really famous for this mm. uh you know like you watch a movie like strangers in paradise it's just the camera sitting in a nice spot and the whole scene plays out over the course of that one shot um so we were really enamored with that. There's another scene later on where the daughter is just sitting in a chair watching her father out the window. Um, uh, the mom comes down the stairs and replaces her in the chair and just all, you know, those, yeah, those no, that's, that is really, really fun, really, really fun to design those. those, those it's like, that, that's almost like ghost, isn't it? It's like ghosts passing in the night. Totally, totally, totally. And and yeah. I think that you, you 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 I hadn't thought about it that way is the idea of you finding the, the 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 way to place the camera for the one shot as it were that then allows all the action to occupy it because I was I yeah, was thinking that challenge. there was lots of times where you use the shape of the interior of the house to give yeah. us all kinds of funky fr frames within frames and sense of yeah. depth and 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 oh yeah and then a lot of times if you're you know say you're in the other room filming through the doors into another room it, it gives it a little bit more of a voyeuristic sort of a Feeling, yeah. you know uh so we you know we, we tried all the tricks <laughs> <laughs> so so um I, I mean this is this is a this is a this next one is is certainly an example of that um mm -hmm. and 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 again it's 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 a testimony to the, to the actors and the way they performed so uh lauren's performance is peggy that first time when daddy sat with her on the bed and yeah. that's another one shot scene no yeah well i was going to say because that is that is the yeah. magic of of literally bell ghosting into the background as we're watching yeah. um yeah. not as a threat but obviously as a want to protect in in yeah. a pathetic way that she oh. can do because there isn't a way she can protect anyone in reality um, but... yeah. and yeah and, and it works on a completely visual basis which you know my editor and i do a lot when we're editing uh we we always at the end of the day we cut we cut a scene we we obviously watch it back with the dialogue and all mm. that kind of stuff or whatever music maybe we put in there but we always watch it a second time with with the sound muted and and we're like okay is this is this communicating on the silent film level you know uh, can somebody watch this film 
with no audio <laughs> and still have a feeling and, and an idea of, mm. of what's what's transpiring between the characters you know um that that scene we, we managed to you know i, I think that scene on a visual level, you know, is much more important than actually what's I was gonna, being what, said. What, what was your conversations like with with Lauren about? Because there's, it's, excuse the pun. There's 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 a sort of <laughs> there's a pregnant pause to everything she's never going to do, because yeah. of how submitted she's been, how how much submission she's in under Dad's rule. So yeah, the, I mean. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, she obviously had read the book and was able to talk with with Ketchum and I about, you know, what our intentions were when we wrote the stuff. And mm. she, she, you know, I also let the actors work with each other and, and have those conversations. And sometimes I'm there, and sometimes they're having these conversations without me being there. You know, it's mm. just, it just, it just, it, it depends on the actor. Some some actors need to talk things out a bunch, and some actors you kind of just let them do their thing and see what happens and kind of adjust on the fly, but. Um, Lauren just had really good instincts. She hadn't done a whole lot of movies up to that point, but um, she's a very, very intelligent, intelligent woman. Mm. Um, she brought a lot. She brought a lot to that character. Um, in fact, her character had a lot of, you know, and this was, this was catching and my fault, you know, maybe, maybe stemming from also doing the book version where a lot of her dialogue that was in the original material uh, was just too much, you know? Yeah. So we realized that she was accomplishing so much just with her expressions and everything that, you know, we ended up cutting a lot of her dialogue out of the film because it was, it was working on a whole other level than, you know, we could have hoped for. So no, for uh, sure. I mean, she's just I think... a very sharp, sharp woman. So, it's in, it's interesting because it's like I'm I'm piecing together a jigsaw I had spread out on the table talking to you now and it's sort of the, the idea of these shots you know your cinematographer sort of giving you this idea of we can do this to get all of this from this angle and it yeah. creates so and, much... and 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 when when you know on a low budget film when you figure out how to do that you are you are able to you know usually if you're you're running at a steady clip you know trying to get your days in you're maybe able to do like three or four takes of a given shot when you pick a scene like that, that's like a two, you know, minute and a half long scene, two minute scene, and you're able to pull it off from one, that one angle, all of a sudden you can do 10 takes, mm. you know, because you're not running around trying to change angles and do all this kind of stuff. So you can really, really sit there and like make sure that all these little particular things are like really working and just get it all in the moment. And then of course the editor loves it because all he has to do is <laughs> cut it at the beginning <laughs> and the end of the clip, you know? It kind of works great for everybody. So everybody's up. There's there's a practicality aspect, but also an artistic aspect to it. You know, both now, of those what, things are. You know, where where your film really cemented itself as um as being like, if if Todd Solans ever did a horror a straight up horror film, it's when we just switched to Chris's normality, and we're in the yeah. the office with the secretary, yeah. and he's yeah. he's not done any butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. He's yeah. the man to be respected on a kind of professional level. There's no malice yeah. in him. It's yeah. it's like he's it's like the inverse of Superman putting on his cape. It's like he puts. He's on wearing. His... He's wearing. He's wearing. He wears his mask well. well. Yeah. Um, and 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 it's it's also you know that that kind of stuff is. I'm a big fan of Hitchcock's movie Shadow of a Doubt. Um, and and what that movie manages to do is is really really implant in your idea that with everybody there there's so much more going on underneath the surface than a lot of us would like to know and it's like what's going on with my neighbors over there you they seem like the perfect happy family 
but you have no idea what's going on behind those closed doors at night, you know, because of the masks that people put on when they're around other people and they're outside this, this, you know, their home world or, or, you know, this secret world that they, they have. Uh, and I think that everybody has those, those secret, you know, maybe not, you know, at the, the, you know, in the, the dark ways that the clique family kind of has stuff going on. And some people do, uh, but everybody's, you know, everybody's kind of presenting an image of themselves. That's, uh, that's not exactly true, you know? Uh, so it's fun to play with that stuff. Every, everybody's always acting <laughs> in real life, you know? There's a lot of truth in that. Um, yeah. It doesn't always mean that they're acting because they've got something uh, evil to hide. It just is. Yeah, exactly. Life is a performance in some senses, yeah. even if you're just going to buy a loaf of bread. Yeah. And that's, and, that's what, that, that's what, hopefully if you, if you're able to nail that on film, that makes it relatable, even if they're off people. For sure. For sure. Now, sound design, what sound design wise, um, yes. I was, um, I, again, this is something I, I, I kind of was subconsciously, subconsciously aware of it, but I was, I was really got to pay attention to it this time is for what is meant to be, you know, the cliques homestead in this remote part of the, of the country, um, you know, should be a silent retreat, but as I mean, it felt like in this instance, it felt like a metaphor for the chaos going on. Is that the silence is always disturbed by the sounds of dogs barking? Yeah, yeah. And you don't you 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 uh, you know until you get to the end, you don't really realize what <laughs> you know what exactly that's all about. You know, um, yeah. Uh, but, but hopefully, when you go back and watch it a second or a third, a second time or even a third time, you start to see how all of that stuff is it's there the whole time, you know, and hopefully you can have a different experience watching it the second time, you know, um, knowing where it's all going. Yeah, no, it's a real, it's a real brooding presence that, 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 that makes sense. Cause you know what the payoff is. Whereas, whereas yeah. you're not really paying as much attention those for the first time you see it. And I just thought it was super clever in, cause I guess it, it would have been a detail that would have been easy to miss. And it's, it doesn't feel like an obvious thing to put on this page as a script either that, this, I mean, was I mean, out of interest as a writer talking to a writer, was was you, was that on the page when the scenes were like the sound of dogs barking, and then Chris? Yeah, 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 to, yeah, um, to an extent. I mean, I think I think we we took that ball and ran a lot further with it once we got into the sound design uh, phase. My sound designer Andrew Smedic. This is the first film we were able to do together. Uh, it was a really really unique experience because I'd always dreamed of having my sound designer. Usually a sound designer is somebody that doesn't come into the come into the game until after the, the movie's shot and edited and you know is way down the road. But but Andrew was able to I requested that he be there during the shoot. Mm. And I did this with with the, with our songwriter as well. I wanted them there while we were shooting the movie. Uh, a for the sound designer to be able to be kind of like a an, an assist in the sound department and be able to like supervise the way the sound is being recorded because he's going to be the guy that puts it all together in the end. Um, so not only was he able to supervise that part of the process and make sure, you know, because I don't like to do a lot of ADR to kill a, a, a performance having to dub it later on. Um, and uh, he was able to not only supervise that process, but as we were making the movie, he was able to go around and record a bunch of sounds that you would normally just be pulling out of a can in post-production. But a lot of the sounds are actually recorded in the environments. A lot of the Foley that you would normally do later on, he was able to record that in the actual set with the props, with the actors. Um, so all of that stuff, it was very, very special to be able to do that. Um, and then with the, with the songwriter, Sean Spillane, 
he was there the whole time we were making the movie too. And he was creating a lot of this music while we were shooting the film. So as I'm driving to the set in the morning, he's giving me a CD that's got new demos on it. And I'm oh picking my things word. that I like, and it's putting me in this, you know, it, we were just like so immersed and he was so inspired, you know, again, not being in a room by himself way after the fact, he was a part of that. Well, that's, know, you've that given, intense, that's a lovely segue because you know, I've, I've got, yeah. I've got it later on, but I'll ask now. So Sean, yeah. Sean Spillane's soundtrack score, because it's, it's neither one nor the other. It's, yeah. it's, it's both, obviously it's both. Not yeah. one or the other. Um, I was, I was, I was going to ask you to talk us through the collaboration, and 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 one of the fright festers, Stephen James, said, you know, ask about the soundtrack. It's brilliant, big fuzz riffs. However, it's not typical for the genre. His choice behind the music instead of going with typical creepy score. I mean, there's like yeah. there's that wonderful bit where um, for the track IG two um, during the first bit where Chris sees the woman, mm-hmm. and you turn it yeah. into like an eighties hair metal video, but looking totally. at Pollyanna. Yeah. And yeah. then at the opposite this end, is, this is Chris's. This is his mind. Yeah, you know what I mean, like this is cool. This is rock and roll. This is you know, like whoa. Yeah, and that's <laughs> you know? that's and that, it's a great way of yeah. of getting of us getting into his head. And then the the, yeah. the 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 flip side of that is when we're in Pollyanna's head, is that fuzzed yeah. out drone you choose to use when she finally yeah. emerges from the cellar and takes Bell out. Yeah. For, for that music, I mean, I'm a big fan of drone metal as it is. Um, that that song when he created that song. Uh, I would listen to it in my truck and that, that song would give me the song's called Time to Die that song would actually give me anxiety attacks so I knew I had to use it in the movie <laughs> this song really that, that music really really freaked me out in, 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 in a very deep way I'm still trying to figure out why that is I think maybe just purely because it's thinking about you know dying um, which I think is most people's biggest fear um but that, the song's really haunting, you know. If he's got that direct experience of what it was like on set and what you were trying to do, then he was in the vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's a very special guy. We we uh, we both went to the same uh, university. We both went to the University of Southern California in in LA, mm. um, which USC has a, a, a one of the one of the more prominent film schools in the states. Mm. George Lucas went there and. Robert Zemeckis and just all these, you know, heroes of ours growing up. But I went to film school there and Sean was, uh, was a musician, but he was also in, uh, I think he was a literature major, but I had a shitty band that I was in called the disaster and, 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 and Sean was in a band called auto and our bands would play the same, uh, like house parties when we were in college. Oh, wow. Uh, Sean's band was really, really, my band was terrible. His band was really, really good. And after college, they ended up, getting on the sub pop label and like they got to do some shows with Foo Fighters. I mean, they were really, really doing really, really well. Um, And then that band uh, kind of imploded on them, but I always really loved particularly Sean's voice and the songs that he wrote uh, in that band. So when it came to making this film, I was like, Hey man, you know, we reconnected on Facebook and I was like, what are you up to? And he sent me some demos and I was like, Oh my God, this guy is, still doing incredible stuff and and you know i at a certain point i just asked him if he would if he'd be interested in doing his first solo album by way of soundtracking my movie mm. it was just a be- it was a beautiful experience well, so it was like it was it was almost like it was this guy that i was a, a big fan of we weren't like super close friends we just ran in similar circles in college but we were never really friends so i was more of a fan than anything it was like kind of picking a, a favorite band from college and just getting them to like you know 
make this music for you. It was an awesome, awesome experience. Well, that, so, well the, the proof, the proof is in the in the music, and uh, I, lo- I yeah. love, I love the, uh, yeah. It was, it really, it really is affecting, and it's great to think that because I never thought, I mean, because I never thought to look before. I just assumed it was different cuts from different people. The idea that it's a single artist has, yeah. has strung this all together for you because they're reacting to the film. And what it makes yeah. them feel musically. Yeah, the 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 only other songs from other people in there are uh, a couple of the songs are, are, are the songs that that the little girl plays on her little her little uh, toy ra- her little toy radio. The 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 toy the toy radio songs. A couple of those are are some of my dumb little songs that I made on GarageBand. And then another one is by my friend Ryan Johnson, um, who's a pretty prominent <laughs> director in his own right. He's, he's I've heard uh, of that name. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 done a couple things, um, but but one of Ryan's little home demos that I, I always love, uh, he let me use that for the film, and then and then at the very end, um, my composer from May, uh, Jay Barnes Luckett, uh, who, uh, 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 who had done all of the music and original songs for May, there was a song that she wrote that my cousins did a cover of that <laughs> just thought fit the emotion of the end of the film, so. Nice one. Um, yeah, music is such an. I, I I love I love having the music, uh, going into the edit as opposed to putting the music on after the edit. Mm. I, I really like being able to work with the image and the and the song, uh, when everything's on the operating table because they to get them in sync with each other. So that was really fun. Now now there's there's the um it, 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 people are going why why is he not talked about Pollyanna yet? I can imagine people are asking me. Yeah, can 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 we can we pause for a minute? I I got I've got I've been drinking coffee all. Like I say, I think I feel like um, everyone's going to be going. Why is he? Why is he barely talked about Pollyanna? That's he's, she's the star of this film. Oh boy, she is. And, and I think it'd be good to talk about from a director's point of view and for those filmmakers listening in because it's it's an extreme film and there's a lot you're expecting Pollyanna to do on camera and trust yeah. you to do on camera and for you to trust. I mean, yeah. not, not so much trust her, but for for you to work with her and not, you know, there's no. It can't be. It doesn't work if it's in in position. It only works if it's collaboration. So, in terms of yeah. sort of taking such what essentially is like a a harrowing scenario of being chained up most of the film, yeah, as a and and, and a you know ceremonially abused in some way, shape or another. What was you? What? How did you? I mean, I mean, obviously she had the experience of playing the woman from the Offspring, but obviously your your yeah. reimagining of it is a very different woman and a very different film. So, well, she, she Polly was Polly was was the primary reason uh i thought that you could make a sequel to the other movie because she's she's incredible uh uh the commitment she gave i mean the that part that she played in offspring could very very well have been silly you know uh you know she's playing a cave woman basically you know it's 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 you know that's that's tough stuff to pull off but she did it <laughs> in such an amazing way was like wow this woman is really 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 powerful and then you know you brought into the equation you know being able to you know create something from the ground up with ketchup that was great uh but anyways when we wrote the script and you know obviously we can't make the movie without her so uh when i gave her the script she didn't know me (laughs) you know she we had no previous relationship 
So she read the material and she was like, I don't know if I want to do this. You know, there's some really messed up stuff going on here. Uh, and we just talked, you know, we, we talked it all out. We, we, we built, built kind of trust over it. And I, I, you know, I said, I, you know, I want to get your, I want to get your notes and your thoughts on this script. And I, I don't just want that your notes and your thoughts on your character, but I, I want to hear what you think about the whole thing. It's like, what are we saying with this movie? You know, I, Ketchum and I have an idea of what we're trying to say, but you're a crucial part of the, this working. So you need to make this your own, you know? So, so there's very collaborative process and just going through every inch of the script with her and just, you know, uh, when you do that also, you know, you, you know, if not all filmmakers do this, some people just come in and say, do this, do this, do this, this way and that way. I like to get in a group with a bunch of really creative people and, and ask each other tough questions, you know, mm. and, and, and that, that group that, that group that makes the movie is, is kind of the, 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 uh, the moral center. So if maybe I'm crossing a line too much here, somebody says, Hey, have you thought about this, what that this way, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that's not communicating <laughs> what you want to communicate, you know? So, you you have to you have to create an atmosphere of honesty where all of the artists working on it feel like that their that their voices are heard and that they're contributing something and the director is really just kind of a filter for all of those best ideas and like a you know uh, it's not about it's not about just having like a like an army of puppets around you that's that's boring and and when you work with other artists that way their eyes just glaze over and you're getting about twenty percent of what they're capable of. Uh, if you're if 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 you're just telling them what to do and how to do it, you know, it's like why even hire anybody at that point, you know? Uh so with Polly it was very, very collaborative and 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 also she's just people say this about actors a lot. Uh she's one hundred percent fearless in, in in a true way. I mean, you know, this she was in the mud, in the dirt, walking through like ice cold <laughs> river water and and just had this very physical, like you said, very uncomfortable, always, you know, being chained up for large parts of the movie and having, having to communicate so much without being able to say anything <laughs> in a language that we understand, you know, all of this communicated through body language and, you know, she was studying animals and man, she was awesome. She, she, she throws everything she has into something. And it's, it's a large part of why when they talked about making a sequel and catch and I, weren't interested in making a sequel to the woman because we felt like we'd kind of said everything we wanted to say in that world that the the obvious person to push for and to to recommend was Polly because nobody understood it at such a deep level as her so it was mm-hmm. so cool to see her take that baton and run with it express her own personal stuff you know uh within that world so um yeah it's, it's fun that was that was the that her her set of that movie was the last time her and Ketchum and I got to be together. He died. He died about not too long after uh, we were able to visit that set. Um, so th- there was a very, it was very special for the three of us to be together again on that, you know, on that last movie. I imagine. I imagine. So, yeah. What, 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 what's one of your sort of fondest memories of what, of what Pollyanna was able to bring to the character of the woman that that sort of elevated it off what you might have expected that morning or that afternoon when you were setting up the scene. Oh, gosh, man, there's so many moments like that. Uh, uh, well, give us one, finger... one that might illustrate for filmmakers who are listening, like what, yeah. what you know, 
maybe the, you know where patience is rewarded as opposed to let's get the shot done or something like that you know what anything like that spring to mind you what? know those those scenes at the very end after she's taken all the all the the evil evil individuals down and and uh the mom isn't necessarily evil but she's complicit you of know course. so uh and and that that earlier scene that you were talking about where it's this 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 dialogue happening in their eyes and that that scene the cellar earlier on was largely redesigned even i think i think we rewrote that scene that morning to firm up why the woman kills the mom at the end because a lot of people had that question um and we used a compromise that was set up uh because of the schedule to uh use that to our advantage and strengthen that part of the story um instead of uh, weaken it or, or make it feel like you know we we were like I said, compromising, hmm. but it, it, after, after she uh, kind of got off on a tangent there, but after, after she, uh, after she takes out clique, uh, Chris, uh, and she walks out of that barn and, uh, socket, the, the girl that their daughter that thinks she's a dog comes out and they have that beautiful little interaction and they walk up the hill and they walk up the hill together and they have the interaction with the little girl. I mean, that stuff was just magic to film you know i mean mm. it was just absolute magic because what a group of characters you've got this this adorable little redhead girl you've got the pregnant teenage daughter you've got a, a young woman with no that was born with no eyes that thinks she's a dog and you have uh, you have this this force that is the woman you know covered in everybody's blood and this beautiful interaction that takes place between them and the, the little girl licking the blood off of her finger and her reaction and just oh man that's stuff. When we were filming it. Everybody was just getting chills because it was just—it was beautiful. It was—it was tapping into to like, I don't know, the animal that still kind of lurks inside all of us. There's something very pure, pure about it that was just lovely. So I got, and, and I think that sequence really brought home the setting that you'd chosen for the movie because yeah. it was away from all of the influences. The only influence was the was the was the border of trees. That's like you disappear into that other then. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the dark forest from fairy tales. You know? uh, there, there's uh, we all came from that dark forest. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I yeah, didn't. That was, I that didn't. Was really beautiful. I I um I don't think I'm alone in not seeing. I mean, you could see Brian is this bubbling force of mis misguided vileness, but it's it's fascinating to think of him now watching it watching it again as the yeah. uh as the as the thing that brings as the person that is brings down the whole house of cards yeah his impulses yeah. Well, which obviously are not as mature as his dad's but equally as psychopathic boy, as his dad's yeah and his dad's trying to teach him how to be like him uh, mm. there's there's a lot of uh it was really that kid was amazing to work with um mm. the kid that played brian that um, was Zach Rand's first film, if I'm, if I'm right. Yeah, yeah, he'd, he'd mostly done. Uh, he'd, he'd, he was a Broadway kid. He'd done a lot of a lot of big productions on Broadway and stuff. And that was the hard. He 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 was the hardest kid to cast. It was the hardest person to cast in the movie. And I really thought, oh man, we're gonna have to go with somebody that's not quite right for this. We looked at, gosh, man, we must, we looked at dozens and dozens, maybe you know, hundred or two hundred different boys for that part, and just nobody had the right feeling. And he his his audition tape came in at the end, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's him! This kid is perfect. He's like a kid out of a Kubrick movie or something. He's just got this great look, and and he was really really sharp kid. Um, 
but a lot of you know we we hit it off really really well uh, really really smart smart kid um and really very sweet um <laughs> which is you know in contrast to the character he plays he's, he's one of my favorite people i've ever known he's a super super How sweet do you, guy. I, with, with but, but, but these but these you know and I, i've learned that in the horror world that a lot of these people that make these these terrifying movies are the sweetest people you can imagine. I, I I don't know if it's because they're kind that they can that that, that they have an eye for um, for for cruelty and 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 showing what it is because it, it's something that truly terrifies them or or or, or is very foreign to them. So the the way they look at it, I don't know. It's 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 pretty interesting. Um, but but I've been lucky enough to interview uh, Genesis Piorage, and. And if, you, if you're familiar with Genesis Piorage, Throbbing Gristle, Psychic mm-hmm. TV, he mm-hmm. um, he was he was in a he was becoming his his partner, so he was becoming female, she was becoming like male, so they were going to like transmorph into into one person through two people. And oh, wow. I interviewed him in the early noughties, and I was terrified because I was thinking this guy's responsible for like essentially inventing one of the inventors of industrial music with Throbbing Gristle, for example. Wow, wow, and wow. you kind of think, and because of his, because his work is so out there and extreme, yeah, he he isn't. There's nothing repressed about him. He's one of the loveliest people you could ever hope to talk to, because yeah. he gets it out in his art. It's like his art. It, is, it is for 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 a lot of this. This stuff is absolutely 100 percent therapy. You know, and with with the woman when when I made the film, I I felt like I you know I I I. I knew what it was about and I felt what it was about when I was making it, but it wasn't until probably seven or eight years later that I looked at the film after having let it sit for a long time, uh, that I started seeing really what it was about in direct relation to me personally. And it, it, it was kind of shocking and almost embarrassing. It's not stuff that anybody would really know because we, you know, if you, if you've done this for a while, you know how to kind of like layer masks on top of all these things and twist them around and shape them into a dramatic context that isn't, you know, isn't exactly your life, but, uh, but aligns with feelings you've had or, or trauma you've suffered growing up a lot, you know, a lot of my growing up in a rural environment, being isolated and how small your world can be in, in that environment is wrapped up in there, you know, uh, uh, and, and the relationship with the father and son and the way uh, you, you, when you're a kid, you look to your parent to, to to uh gain an understanding of how to how to interact with the world and if the person that's giving you that guidance is a rotten person yeah, yeah <laughs> what yeah. is that what is what is that what does that do to you so one of the biggest the 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 biggest direction because this kid was so good that one and, and i've had this with a few actors that his first take or his second take was always better than the later takes when I tried to give him adjustments. <laughs> I would actually fuck him up. I would actually fuck him up, you know? So I'd be like, uh, I, you know, he, he would do it and he'd, he'd be pretty much on the button right out of the gate. And then I'd talk to him about it and stuff. And then the next take would be terrible. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop even saying anything to this kid because he gets it more than I do. Uh, but, but one of the directions that really stuck and really worked was uh, watch your father. You know, he's like, what should I be doing in this scene? Watch your father. Watch what he's doing. Just look at just you know what I mean? You're studying him. You're learning how to how to behave from this man. You know, so you watch the movie and you see so many of the scenes as the kid looking at his dad and 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 reacting with his own behavior according to what he's seeing his dad do. It's pretty interesting. Teacher saves the day. 
was is, is brewing all the while in in your story the way you know yeah it's very very uh stephen king-ish Stan, uh, stanley kubrish sort of that character is almost a device in a way i hate to say that but you know uh, she is the thing that kind of steps in and kind of <laughs> lights the lights this fuse you know this is a real pernickety thing little tiny detail but when she pronounces her name yeah why is it not genevieve why does she not i i knew a girl from montreal uh that uh that that was the way she pronounced her name genevieve fantastic genevieve, genevieve. Yeah, yeah well i'd just like to say then will it one of those Fright Fester William Long asked that question, and I was like thinking uh -huh. there must be an answer to it because he's. Well, I knew I knew a girl, and that's the way she said her name. So I thought it was more. I thought it was more interesting that way. And obviously, her last name Raton is is French for rat, you know, um, which is the way clique kind of, you know, <laughs> just silly little details like that. Well, you know? Miss that that the the Miss Raton, you don't think I'd really like to miss out on heaven is one of the finest. I'm going to... Oh, thank you. You're the only person that's ever noticed that line. I heard a guy say that when I was living in Oklahoma, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. I love that phrase. <laughs> Someone was talking to him about being dishonest and, and whether or not he'd be dis dishonest about something. He says, you don't think I'd really want to miss out on heaven, do you? And I was like, this is fantastic. So, oh, man, I'm so glad you noticed that line. <laughs> no one ever talks about it. It's my favorite line in the movie. It's because it's because you 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 pair it with smack. It's like it's not a line that has any threat in it. It has no threat in it at all. Yeah, yeah. I always wondered if like we we delivered it wrong or I don't know. I had, that line never landed with anybody. Maybe because they're wrapped up in all of the other stuff that's going on. Well, scene, anecdotally, but... I'm, ev I'm 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 a one hundred percent evidence that it worked for me. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad. But the bit that precedes that, though, the kind of private, not private conversation about whether she's pregnant or not, is yeah. is positively surreal. You've got you've got Brian being like this awkward teenager sat in the middle of a couch, and yeah. then out of shot, but you're fully aware you've got Belle, who's just been sat in a chair, her lights half, half conscious, yeah. while yeah. the teacher, who is obviously representing the outside world in this madness. Is, yeah. is trying to have a serious conversation and is is and you can, and it's i mean I, I, did, I didn't make a note of the, the actor's name so apologies um who, who what's the name of the actor that plays the teacher oh oh uh carly baker carly baker she has this yeah. kind of she plays the she plays this kind of like no you can see the computer my brain's going nobody's taking me seriously i yeah it, this is yeah. why is nobody taking me seriously is, is the subtext that everything she's saying yeah 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 she yeah she did a great job that girl went through the ringer man like <laughs> she's getting dragged down that hill and, and knocked around and attacked by dogs and <laughs> yeah she, she really she really How, that, she that, that, that sequence and obviously the the, the bit within that within the dog pen yeah was that how long how long did that take to to achieve what you got it took us longer than it should have, okay. uh, but you know, the, the photographer and I, uh, we shot the movie in four weeks. We shot the movie in four, six day weeks. Um, extremely low budget film. Mm. Um, uh, maybe the budget was, the budget was well under $500,000, like Blimey, probably Ryan. More, closer to like $400,000. Um, so we had to shoot really fast and we had to adjust on the fly when we weren't making our days and reshape the material in order to, make sure the story was getting told without compromising what it was about. 
Um, but that stuff in the barn was the one place where the photographer and I really dug our heels and we're like, look, we're going to have to figure out those scenes we have later this week. We're just going to have to figure out how to, uh, how to get through those days as fast as possible. Cause we need, we need the time to do this, right. Cause there's a lot of elements at play. You've got trained German shepherds, you know, which were mm. brilliant dogs. I mean, gosh, I've, I've had wonderful experiences working with animals over the years. Um, these were, this is one of the best experiences, uh, the, the control that the trainers and, and the understanding that these trainers had between their animals was, was a beautiful thing, uh, to watch, but filming that, you know, uh, all that stuff in the dog pen with Carly and just making sure that everybody felt safe, especially when you're going as fast as you have to go mm. making an independent film, uh, we just, you know, we lucked out that we got all the right people to do that stuff and that, and that Carly was, was just fearless and willing to get in the ground and, you know, maybe collect a couple bruises and scrapes along the way, but it didn't matter because, you know, this is, she saw it as a big opportunity to really, you know, get a lot of stuff out. So. You literally created my room 101. I'm, I'm scared of dogs. You know, when I was a kid, I was really scared of dogs um, and uh, eventually got over that largely got over that fear i think there's probably still a little lingering fear but i had some experiences with dogs when i was young that that uh, were kind of scary um uh and then when i was in middle school to make you know i started doing like side jobs in our little country area we lived in i worked at a dog kennel with uh no way get this i worked at a dog kennel cleaning cages and feeding uh rottweilers and uh peak peaking ease wow you couldn't <laughs> two, be two, could you yeah. get more two more different types of dogs but i i i you know I, I mowed this lady's lawns and i took care of you know kept the dogs cages clean you know i picked up shit and i fed the dogs uh but i but i i, I you know i learned how to you know i just kind of got over that fear but I, I understand that fear, fear very much, you know. I mean, I'm, admittedly, I am better that, than that I was, so I'm not. I'm not. But that, yeah. that German Shepherd's barking more than yeah. one is. Yeah, is, my wife is terrified. Is one or what? That's one or one. I mean, I'm, yeah. a couple yeah. of yapping Jack Russells, I'm fine. You know, it doesn't bother. Yeah. Me, but right. As a kid, the 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 Alsatian German Shepherd. <laughs> From a writing point of view. Um, you you give us no clues at all about what's in that kennel apart from um i mean obviously there's the clue of why they keep going obviously that's one bit but the only overt clue that i could spot was was as as chris is giving peggy the dressing down about women full stop he's full misogynistic and he just says the word sisters and it's just the first fucking time plural yeah Yeah, and and you're like and, and you how did you how how did you manage to hold on to not revealing that for as long as you did because it's it well, takes some doing you know we the, the part of the, that uh and again I, I call these things devices i mean i obviously try to make them work dramatically and make them ring true but but the girl the girl in the dog cage is is a device because i you know i learned this from stephen king that stephen king will get you going down a road uh and you know where that road, you know where that road's got to end. Like dramatically, there's only, it's, it's going to go to that place. And, and when you get there, it's going to be crazy. And he builds all this anticipation. Uh, a movie like Sling Blade functions that same way. But what Stephen King was brilliant about doing is like getting you to the point where it's like right before the shit really goes down that you're waiting for the whole story. Uh, 
he he'll he'll deliver that, but at the same time he's delivering that, he'll throw some other element out of almost it feels like almost out of the blue. He'll throw some other element in there that just completely just disorients you and <laughs> it, it really, really helps scare you, you know. So it's like that that, you know, the way the socket character was designed was 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 definitely from that kind of lesson that I had picked up. Um reading uh i think i probably realized that stephen king stephen king's ability to do that when i was reading the green mile i don't know if you remember when the green mile was coming out it was coming out in chat books every every month a new you know it came out in like six different installments over like like a, a, a four or five month period um so that was you know the the socket character that device was was kind of set up to be that that disruptor you know because you know the woman's gonna get out. You know she's gonna. You know. You know there's gonna be a, com- a physical confrontation. You can't keep her chained up forever. You know. So throwing the the, the when uh, I saw it at Fright the, Fest, the, I made them because I'd missed that clue. Yeah. Because I was obviously wrapped up in the film. Um, yeah. I'd assumed that was like a. Fa- I'd assumed that was a failed woman project, like woman yeah. one, and yeah. this you know, yeah. Pollyanna was two point zero woman. Yeah. I didn't yeah. make the connection first time round. <laughs> Well, even 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 earlier than that, when the the uh, after Brian has abused the woman in the cellar, and the wife is trying to confront uh, her husband about it in the kitchen, right before he he hits her for for talking back to him or for standing up to him, she says, "Even what's going on with the dogs, yes, out there right. could oh, put you does, in yes, prison, yes. you know." Uh, and and there's several moments with the mother throughout, you know, the the scene where she's rolling the cigarettes for him early in the movie and uh he's going out for his hunt and she's she's rolling his dutiful wife rolling his cigarettes for him uh that last shot of that scene is a close-up of her and you hear those dogs barking outside and, and the way angela plays it you know uh when you go back and look at it a second time you know and then the dad goes down there and gets his little his little four-wheeler or whatever and you hear the dogs <laughs> barking out there it's, it's all there you know it's a fairly symbolic death of felt of Chris, um, where the woman shows him he has no heart because she's ripped it out, <laughs> as he because he really never had a heart in the first place. I thought <laughs> there was all that going on in that moment. It was just a, just, just so poetic. Yeah, and I mean, if you read the you know if you've read the book, you know his his death is much more elaborate. She's like cuts off part of his hand and does this and that. It's very you know would have been cost prohibitive to shoot it yeah, yeah, uh, no, considering thought, the yeah. budget we were working with and the time constraints we were working in a lot of the way that played out we just tried to boil it down to what's the what's the image that means the most in the way she takes this guy out you know obviously mm. people would love to see the guy they'd love to see him strung up and tortured for two hours but at, the, at that point in the movie it's like no just just rid the world of this this fellow um and the heart just seemed like the best way to do it. And then I can't remember whose idea it was that she took the bite out of it, but that was just absolutely <laughs> perfect, you know. And while looking in his eyes, taking a bite out of his heart, she just pulled from his chest. It was, it was awesome. And I, and I also think my, there might have been a little subconscious influence from uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when they, 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 they take his heart out of his chest. I don't know. Who knows where this stuff comes from? <laughs> yeah. My final question is, is, I mean, with horror films... There's always a sense of, of of sin being what we're all what what people are getting punished for, even if it's coming from a even if they start off coming from a good place. So, yeah. what between you and Jack made you think that Darling deserved to go off with the woman? Why is that 
a kind of upending or is that is that it feels like that could be a punishment or is it a judgment on the woman that peggy's not capable yeah i mean i yeah it's it's an innocence it's it's you know i think it's tied into what we were talking about earlier that dream that the woman has that she's lost her family and she's lost her ability to to continue her family and you know uh that uh a child at that point in their life is is largely innocent of all the hang-ups that that people uh acquire over the course of their life uh and what else what else is going to happen for her is you know her, her her sister is 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 not of a of, of a legal age uh to be a guardian is she going to get thrown in a uh, uh, an orphanage or, or foster care or i don't know it just seemed like the right thing to do for that mm. character i you know I don't, I don't we didn't i don't remember us having really a big discussion about it you know it just it, 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 it felt, it, it it felt always, like the right thing to do you know it it, 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 it definitely feels right but it but when, yeah. you, when you step back from it it, it feels as shocking oh, as it's totally fu- yeah it's totally fucked up yeah that kid's gonna live a life of pain and 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 and, and uh harsh the harshness of, of the world in a different way you know um, yeah. but uh at least it's not her dad true know? true so let's remind people then, um, the 4K yes. restoration of The Woman from our old video is out now. Uh, yes. That includes Offspring on there as well. Um, the very- UK version, inclu- yeah, also has Offspring on there. Both are just loaded down with extras. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I'll put, I'll put them in the show notes. Um, it just gives me to thank say you. thank you very much for giving us your more than enough of your time to talk about The Woman. <laughs> it was good to talk to you, man. Thank you. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.